when I was able to like identify what a money mindset really is, I was able to start identifying what I thought about money because we think that money is just, it's numbers on a screen when you check your account balance um, or it's dollars in a wallet, but it is, it's only a means to get the things you want. Money touches everything in your life that you care about. Mm. So money really like is part of almost your identity because in order to live into your full potential, to realize the identity like that you want to see, you have to have some kind of financial security or some kind of money to achieve that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I am your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, business leader, community activist, author, speaker, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal with this show is to show you the listener that no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you can make an impact. My guest this week is Jen Smith. She is a personal finance expert and co-host of the top rated Frugal Friends podcast. Since paying off $78,000 of debt in two years, Jen has been on a mission to help people spend in alignment with their values and live for today while saving for tomorrow. She's also the author of two best-selling books on controlling your spending and paying off debt called The No Spend Challenge Guide and Pay Off Your Debt for Good. I loved this conversation. This was such a great kind of follow-up conversation to what my husband and I talked about a couple of weeks ago when we did a financial Q&A. Man, Jen and I talked a lot. We talked a lot about debt and money mindset. And this was just, I think, a a conversation that a lot of people are going to really get something out of. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Jen Smith. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I I think our our conversation is going to be especially timely right now. Um it's it's very interesting. A couple of weeks ago, my husband and I actually did a kind of Q&A episode all about finances and money and it was I was telling John that it was one of the the most recent episodes that or, or one of the most recent episodes in memory where I got the most like listener feedback. Do you know what I mean? Where, mm-hmm. you know, people are listening, but people don't necessarily always send you a message and say, hey, you know, thank you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The By far, I feel like I got so much listener feedback because I just feel like the times that we are in, people have money on the brain. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation to kind of, I almost feel like it's the, it's a good piggyback off of the conversation I had with my husband. But without further ado, let's have you give us the Gen 101. So who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today and your kind of your your financial story. Yeah. Well, my name is Jen Smith and I am the co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast. And you can find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. But we try to, we are personal finance or frugality podcast that teaches people how to spend essentially. And we believe that people can live a life they love, um, with the money they already have and the resources they already have. There's no need to go towards extreme deprivation or extreme money making. Like there, there is a place in the radical middle for everyone. Ooh, the radical middle. I'm stealing that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's our, (laughs) we, we say that all the time and it seems to be relevant for more than just personal finance. So 
yeah. And we kind of came to that um, in our own, my co-host and I, our own personal finance journeys. Mine specifically was that I was never a spender. I always thought myself frugal, but that was in the sense of like, I would buy generic brands at the grocery store. And then I was like mindlessly buying like Starbucks lattes every day. So I didn't realize the dis, um, disparagement or the disparity between those, the, the mindset and what I was really living. Mm. Um, so I embarked on paying off um, my student loans with my uh, husband as soon as we got married in 2015. And so together we were able to pay off $78,000 of debt in two years. Wow. Um, and that was a journey. We are not high income earners, never earned more than I think 88,000 between the two of us um, in those two years. And we were able to buy a house and pay off our student loans down from, we thought it was going to take us five years. And so that journey, because I lived in the extremes during those two years, I was uh, extreme. I thought I could side hustle my way out of debt. And in two months after that, I got shingles. Oh so that my only gosh. lasted two months. Yeah. I, was just, I worked too hard, stressed myself out, got shingles. And then I were, I was in extreme deprivation where I was miserable. I was like, I felt guilty every time I spent a dollar. And so I was living in these extremes in order to pay off this debt and now help people pay off their debt and find financial freedom in a healthier way. And it may take a little longer, but you will get to the same destination with fewer scars. Mm. So that's, um, that's everything that we talk about on Frugal Friends and why we talk about it. Mm, so good. Okay. So I already am really excited about this because uh, you and I have somewhat similar stories um, while your debt was... You, so your 78000 was primarily student loans. All, yeah. All I think 4000 of it was a car. So okay. it was all like my and my husband's student loans. Okay. So my debt was thirty six. Little, it was a little over $36,000 in consumer credit card debt. So I didn't have student loans, but I had, you know, consumer credit card debt, kind of death by a thousand cuts, same thing. I mean, like a couple big irresponsible purchases here and there, but mostly just stupid choices I was making left and right. And I also lived in extremes. Now, I wasn't married at the time when I was, um, paying off my debt. Although it's funny that you say that. Okay. And you're going to just have to go with me here. Uh, <laughs> I also got shingles while I was paying off debt, which I think is very funny because I feel like only like old people get shingles. Yes. And here we are two young people who got shingles while paying off debt. So yeah, I need to say this right here. If you are in a journey of paying off debt, you will not also get shingles or maybe you will. I don't know. <laughs> But that is promise it, but we can help to prevent it. Yeah, we can help to prevent your shingles getting. So, okay. So I start my, uh, let me give you a very quick summary. So I started paying off my debt in June of 2008. I moved to North Carolina in June of 2009. I met my now husband, started dating in the summer of 2010. We got engaged in the summer of 2011. So, and we got married in February, 2012. I paid off my debt beginning of March of 2012, right after I got back from um, our honeymoon, I paid off the last like remaining balance. Um, so we, I was, because I was determined to not enter our marriage with remaining debt because my husband was never, which we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, like he was never in debt. He was always really good with money. And I, even though this was not his attitude, mine was, 
I don't want to bring this to the marriage. Like this was my mistake and I don't want it to become our mistake and you carrying a burden that I brought on myself. Does that make sense? So like I was really mm-hmm. determined. I was not going to bring this debt to the marriage because I wanted to start our marriage debt-free, clean, all of that. Yeah. So what I do not recommend for folks is to race to pay off the rest of your debt while also planning and paying for a wedding. So that's when I got shingles. I got shingles two months before our wedding. So I think that that's where it came from. Is like it was yeah. just this uh, unimaginable stress of like planning for a wedding, paying for a wedding, uh, because he and I paid for it. And so I was paying to get out of debt, also paying for a wedding. I mean, we had a very frugal wedding. Talk about a frugal mm-hmm. wedding. We could probably do a whole podcast on how we saved money at like for you know in our wedding and things stuff like that. But uh, all of that to say is I very much relate to your story, and I just I that's, had to laugh when you said you got that's shingles. So funny. It's really I got funny. shingles two months after our wedding. <laughs> two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Simply yeah. stunning. Uh, because truly, when I went and I got when I went to the doctor and they were like, yeah, that's what it is, is you have shingles. I was like, isn't that what like 65 year old, no offense if you're listening and you're 65. I'm just saying the only people I ever met prior that got shingles were in their 60s. Yeah. They won't even give you, they won't even give us the vaccine because right. we're too young. Because we're too you young. You get the vaccine. Yeah. Until you're, I think in your 60s. I know. I saw all these like commercials. They were like, get the shingles vaccine. And I'm like, no, I've already had. I can't. I can't. I've already had yeah. shingles. Anyway, this episode is not about shingles, but it is about debt and, <laughs> and money and all of that. Um, I just find that tiny detail hilarious. Um, okay, let's talk mindset. Um, and I would love to just even kind of compare and contrast different money mindsets because I mm-hmm. think that this is a great foundational part of this conversation because. If you are listening to this podcast, you have a money mindset. I don't know what that money mindset is, but all of us, literally every, my children have a money mindset. And um, often the mindset, you know, maybe we were taught as a child uh, carries over into adulthood and maybe that's a good thing. Sometimes the mindset maybe we were taught in our younger years, uh, we have to we have to shift and we have to unlearn. Um, so I would love to hear your money mindset over the years. Like, what was your mindset about money as a child, teenager, young adult, and and how it has shifted over the years? Like, take us through that mindset journey that you've been on. Because I think, again, I think this is a really great place to start because so many people don't take the time to really think about it and unpack that because that that is how you it influences every financial decision you make. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I used to think that like money mindset stuff was either very woo-woo or like, so like manifesting wealth. Oh, no, I'm not about that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that used to be what I thought it was. And then I thought it was like, like thinking about prosperity and, and wealth building and, and all of this stuff. So like you have to have a money mindset in order to be like, you know, Tony Robbins and, and make a lot of money. And those were like my two views of money mindsets. And then I learned it's money mindset is just what you think about money. Correct. It's what everybody has. And so when I was able to like identify what a money mindset really is, I was able to start identifying what I thought about money because we think that money is just, it's numbers on 
a screen when you check your account balance um, or it's dollars in a wallet. But it is it's only a means to get the things you want. Money touches everything in your life that you care about. Mm. So money really like is part of almost your identity because in order to live into your full potential, to realize the identity like that you want to see, you have to have some kind of financial security or some kind of money to achieve that. Right. Um, and so I remember when I was like growing up, my money mindset was like, okay, when you get it, you spend it. Cause that's what I saw my parents do. There was no saving. It was like, you get paid every weekend. You go to the mall shopping is a hobby. It's, you know, time for us to spend together, like with my mom and me, um, I do, you know, the most expensive extracurricular, even though my parents did not make a lot of money. I was an ice skater. Um, and, and so we just do these things because it's fun. We don't think about money. It's just a way for us to, we, we fill our time and we have fun. And that means spending all of our money to do so. Right. And then when I got older, I, like I said, uh, prior, I thought I was frugal because I wasn't spending, you know, everything <laughs> that I had, I was spending like almost everything. Um, but I was like saving a little bit. So I mm-hmm. thought I was like, I'm just like better at money than my parents. Yeah. Because when you're 18, you just think that you like know more than everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really thought that buying generic brands made me a conscious consumer, a good, you know, a good spender. Um, and I didn't pay attention to all the money I was mindlessly spending on eating out or drinking out or buying home decor that I really didn't care about. Right. Um, so that was that. And then later on when I, I, I didn't mention this, but when my husband and I started paying off debt, he was then my fiance and he was the one that pay, wanted to pay off his student loans. Um, he had about 24,000 and I had about 50,000 and he's the one that wanted to pay off his debt. And I was like, I don't want to live under a rock for five years. I don't think that I make enough. I also think I deserve to live. And so then money management became equated to deprivation. Mm -hmm. So if I was to be good with money, I needed to deprive myself. So that was my money mindset. And so I could see the, the growth of as my money problems got bigger, my money mindset got more destructive. And I thought like less and less of myself and my capabilities to manage money when it really wasn't my capabilities at all. It was my mindset got like degrade, like degraded, degraded, degraded to where I thought that I was just incapable. Um, and it really took him encouraging me to just get started. Why don't we, why don't we just see what this does? Why don't we just try to pay off our debt, see what happens. The outcome, if we do it is that all of your dreams are going to be easier to achieve. Right. They just are without the weight of debt. And if we don't, we don't, but we have to try because if we take five years now and we do this really big, hard thing, it'll make the next 50 years of our life much more enjoyable. And so that was really what motivated me to just start and see and being able to overcome that thing completely transformed my money mindset. I was the, the more hurdles I jumped over, the more obstacles and struggles I broke through the better my money mindset became. But I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to experience struggle. I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to experience pain 
or trials because I was ignoring it um, because my money mindset was so low. Right. Um, my money self-esteem maybe. And so it took those breaking through those struggles and forcing myself to experience them and work through them um, to, to transform my mindset. And, and it was on that journey that I started learning about mindset. I love that. And I, I, I think that that's such a great, uh, thank you for kind of painting that picture of what it looked like over the years, because you're right is people often think it's like very woo woo. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is just what you think about money. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually going to recall a story, uh, that uh, this is one of the questions I'd asked my husband when I had my husband on, um, my show a couple weeks ago was because I love the lessons that he learned from his grandfathers. And they were two very different grandfathers. They were both good with money, but it was in different ways. His um, granddaddy Buck was um, a high earner and very good at investing and uh, just always, like, you know, would sit there at the, you know, at the couch with the stock ticker and he'd like write down, you know, what he was doing, you know, what his mm-hmm. stocks were doing, like that kind of thing. But he wasn't, um, but he was a candy salesman. Like he didn't, it's not like he, he was a, I, I, when I say high earner, I don't know that that's actually accurate. He just was I mean, he was a candy salesman. So like what a dream job, you know, to have as a grandfather. <laughs> um, but, you know, he just he he sold candy for a living. And so he but he did well um, selling to convenience stores and things like that. Um, but he was really good at investing and um, saving and things like that. Whereas his Papa John, his other grandfather, you know, owned like a tiny little furniture store, like in a in eastern North Carolina, really small town, uh, was not a high earner, but somehow like put four kids through college and, you know, somehow uh, managed to like basically build a house for him and his family, like from the ground up with his own hands, Um, you know, and so he wasn't, but for him, he wasn't a spender. He, and so he, you know, he talks about how he learned uh, just how to be a good steward of money from his grandfathers and how that has shaped his money mindset over the years to where he is now. Um, and so, yeah, I love the way that you that you you paint that picture of the journey over the years. And for me, um, and and I, I feel like for a lot of people, when you don't take the time to think about, you know, how you've been educated around money over the years, that can be harmful in that then what you're doing is that you're then your money mindset is being developed based on what everybody else is doing, what what you're reading in the news, yada, yada, yada. And it becomes an, a, a mentality of extremes. And it becomes mm-hmm. this mentality of, oh, I need to have a poverty mindset where I'm going to just like, uh, you know, nothing is available to me. Uh, you know, the economy is in the tank. Recession is terrible. Inflation, blah, 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 blah. And it's like you have this doom and gloom money mindset or you have this other mindset of just, well, I'm just going to make as much money as I can. And that's just going to be the end goal and yada, yada. You know what I mean? It's like you you go to this these two extremes and it just becomes really damaging. And so um, I love to, to steal your term from the beginning is like, how do you find that place in the radical middle of how do you approach uh, finances, whether you're a really high income earner or whether you're uh, just kind of a, you know, maybe a somebody who works a couple of odd jobs here or there, you're a freelancer, or maybe you 
work full time at McDonald's. I don't know, you know, like wherever you are on the spectrum, it's how you view money as whether it's as, as a tool, um, how to how to be a good steward of it that can really set you up and other generations around you mm-hmm. and, and influence. I mean, you with your story paying off all of that student loan debt that led you down a path that now you have an entire podcast where you talk about money and you're helping to influence yep. other people. So, I mean, it really does have uh, a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, I it's just one, like the, those pivotal moments yeah. that you can choose to, okay, I'm going to accept this challenge or I'm going to choose a different path that's, um, has less resistance. And I, it's so often that these paths that we choose that are challenging and hard provide the most growth and positive life change. And we look at them when they come to us like, oh no, this is a setback. This is, um, life sucks. Yeah. Like, this sucks that this is happening to me. Um, and I've learned to just take those, take those in stride because more often than not, they, they produce the best things that have ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. And, and that's a, I mean, that's a mindset as well. I think so. Like, I don't think you can talk about mindset without mentioning Carol Dweck's book mindset. Mm. Um, and that's one of the biggest factors in, uh, creating a growth mindset is seeing setbacks as opportunities for growth. Because just like, I mean, we call them in in math when we're in school, we call them math problems. You know, you got to work through the problem and find the solution. And it's the same in life. If you are not looking for quote unquote problems, not like problem, you know, problem problems, but if you're not looking for the things that you can can work through and and come out the other side, or, or if these things come to you and you're not looking at them with a perspective of how can I grow from this, right. you miss out on so much of your potential. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I want to tackle this one piece of this. Um, and it's, you know, there's a, a, it feels like a million resources out there on tackling debt and just mm-hmm. debt in general. And, uh, you know, all the, you know, some people can say, oh, good debt, you know, like uh, mortgages all the way to consumer credit card debt or, uh, you know, payday loan debt or whatever, you know, debt you want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I've, re- I've read a couple of different statistics in the last couple of years. And so we're going to, f- there's probably a radical middle somewhere because um, I've read somewhere between um, about the average American debt per adult in the US is $58,604. I've also read that the average American has $90,000 in debt. It's somewhere in there, whether it's 58,000 or 90,000. So I've seen two statistics from two different places. Mm -hmm. So it's probably so, but the the, the reality is, is it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two. Um, And 77% of American households have at least some type of debt. So we, you know, identifying those statistics is majority of the people listening to this are carrying some type of debt. You know, we're going to take mortgages out of this because, I mean, we are debt free with the exception of our mortgage. But whether it's a car payment, student loans, all those kinds of things is especially right now in a recession with inflation, with all of the things going on, we can find ourselves people who are carrying debt can find themselves uh, 
weighed down by that. And, and just, you know, in general, I mean, so I started getting out of debt in the summer of 08, which was not a super great time uh, in our country's uh, financial state. So, I mean, it's kind of like it, it all kind of mm-hmm. ebbs and flows and goes back and forth. So f- let's talk to those people for a little bit who are part of that 77% of American households that are carrying some type of debt. Um, because it again, there is so much information out there as to the best way to tackle that debt. Uh, you have the, the sort of the 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 camp that are coming from the Dave Ramsey type mindset with financial peace and beans and rice and rice and beans and, mm-hmm. you know, all those kinds of things. One aspect to uh, it's fine. YOLO. Don't worry about it. Just keep accruing mm-hmm. more debt, which is harmful. Debt is fine. Just keep investing debt sort is of thing. Right. And yeah. it's just like mm-hmm. mm, both of those extremes can be harmful. And yeah. so what is your approach? Like what is your particular unique setup when you're talking to people, when you're talking about this on your podcast, you've written books about it. How do you approach this? Um, because it's not a one size fits all method, depending on the kind of debt, mm-hmm. how much debt, how much you make. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So paying off debt is like going on a diet. Everybody tries to go real extreme, go real hard. Wants the quick fix. I want to lose the weight fast. I'm committed to this. And then a week in, nobody is on the diet anymore. That is an unrealistic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we see the same thing with debt payoff. That's just how it, it goes the same way. When you try to make too many changes too fast, you think you're too capable. You're not as capable as you think you right. are. <laughs> I mean, in some aspects, you're more capable than you think you are. Um, but in others, it's a deceptive capability. And right. so- the radical middle for us is to is to make small changes with large impact. Um, and so we're big fans of the 80-20 rule. So looking at your finances and seeing what are my expenses that are the that are holding me back the most. And first, that involves just looking at what you're spending. Right. And so normally when we're like, I don't want to, I don't want to get on a budget, I don't want to pay off my debt because I don't want to give up X. Well, normally the first thing you think about giving up is the last thing you should give up because that usually means that's the thing you care most about. So take that off the table. Let's look at the things that we don't care about, the things that we are spending money on that we don't even realize that we're spending money on, like old subscriptions and stuff like that. And let's look at the things we're mindlessly spending on, the things that we're spending on out of habit or impulse that we look back and we're like, why did I even spend money on that? Mm-hmm. Those are the things we we look at first. And normally you can get, you can target both of those, well, at least the mindless stuff by just tackling food first and not the food in which like, but I love happy hours with friends. Give that up last. Let's look at our grocery list at the food we're throwing away. Let's look at the takeout we're, t- we're getting like on the way home from the grocery store or just out of um, habit home from, you know, if you're always stopping at Chipotle on the way home from the gym, whenever you go to the gym, that's maybe a habit that you should look at. So let's look at our, our habits and our like mystery expenses first. And you can usually wrap all those in with just food. Um, so, so we say kind of start there. Don't start with everything. Let's just like, what are you spending on food? What's maybe like your Grubhub subscription that you're barely using? 
you know, the candy bars you get in the checkout. Let's look at that stuff first. Right. And then we, once we've feel good about that and we've made an accomplishment, once you've overcome an obstacle, you have more confidence in yourself to overcome more obstacles. Right. So once we make headway on our food spending, so maybe we just look at those things and you know, we thought, oh, I'm spending $200 on takeout a month. You look at it, you're actually spending 800. That was a real story I heard yesterday. A couple thought that told someone, um, they're a financial coach. that's like, oh, I think we're spending 200 on takeout. And they actually looked and it was 800. So they looked at that alone um, and focused on the mindless and the habitual spending. And they brought that down to 600. And they got really realistic with themselves. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can do that. What can I do with other stuff? And you start figuring out what you value. You continue to spend money on what you value without guilt. And then you say no to the things you don't value. It becomes easier to identify what it is you value versus maybe what social media is telling you to value, what your family and friends are saying they value and you're kind of adopting that, it becomes easier to discern the two. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can say no to things that you don't value. So you can say yes to more of what you do value and still see your expenses drop in the process. I'm gonna take a quick break from my chat with Jen to thank our partner of the show and that is Mama Suds. You know how much I love Mama Suds. I have been using their products personally in my home for years. I've had Michelle Smith on the show before. She's the head mama over there at Mama Suds. And what I love most about Mama Suds is not only are the products safe, not toxic, clean ingredients, but they work. They're effective. Oh my goodness. Everything from their all-purpose household cleaner, which I use on the windows, the walls, toilets, floors. I mean, you name it. I use their all-purpose household cleaner on quite literally everything. I love their Castile soap. You can make so many different DIY and at-home cleaners with it. Their shower bombs are amazing. The stain stick, laundry soap, uh, man, everything. I love them all. So head on over to mamasuds.com. Use the coupon code MOLLY and that gets you 15% off your order. That's mamasuds.com. Use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Jen Smith. One of the things you brought up that always is mind boggling to me, and I say this as somebody who at one time uh, avoided looking at her statements like the plague, because when I was in debt, when I was in debt, I didn't want to look at my statements Mm because if I didn't look, then I wouldn't, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. No, (laughs) it's one of the first things my husband, so my husband's a financial advisor and my, one of the things he says to his clients He's like, it drives me crazy how many of them don't even know how to check their statements. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, similarly, he's always like, okay, you need to just check and check your statements. Um, but <laughs> the the service that is mind boggling to me is that I think it's called True Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So if you don't know what this is, it is a subscription. So you pay a subscription to what it does is it tells you what you're subscribed to so that you can cancel it. It is the most, to me, it is like, is it an oxymoron? Is that what it is? Is like a subscription to cancel subscriptions. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. so he's just like, why don't you just log into your statement and (laughs) see what you're getting charged for? Like the fact that you need to pay for a subscription for so that that can tell you what you're subscribed to. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that absolutely drives yeah. me crazy and is 
stunning, but, but it is amazing how often, like you said, you use the example of the couple who thought they were spending $200 on uh, take up. They're really spending 800 of just how often people are just have, they have no clue what they're spending money on. And mm-hmm. so they just, they mindlessly spend and it, it, it becomes once again, it's like, it's the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. I mean, and this family was on the verge of like, they were going to sell their house because they couldn't afford their mortgage because of what they were spending. And they still didn't look at what they were actually spending. Amazing. Um, It's, I mean, but it's not, it's, it's them. It's you, it's me. It's all of us. Mm -hmm. It's we, you have to make the time to look at what you're spending as scary as it is. It's one of those obstacles that you overcome, you go through, not around, it makes you stronger and it, and it leads to financial freedom. It is adulting. Yes. (laughs) You know, and it's one of the things that I've kind of thought about over the last couple of years is because this was not, the reality is, is this was not a mindset that the majority of Americans had in previous generations. Now, obviously, but you you look at like our grandparents, great grandparents generation. I'm not sure how old you are. So like but my my grandparents were uh, depression era and mm-hmm. my husband's grandparents were depression era. But you look at our grandparents generation, my parents, my husband's parents generation. They're the generations that grew up with balancing checkbooks. And so when they had a checkbook and cash, they literally knew where every single dollar was going because they didn't have a debit card that they were just tapping. They didn't, you know, I can pay for groceries at the grocery store. I don't even have to take my wallet in anymore because I have Apple Pay on my watch. So I don't even physically have to carry my wallet with me 90% of the time. uh, And unless I need my ID for some reason, because I can just, if, if as long as I have my phone, I can just use my watch to pay for whatever... I'm doing. And so, you know, now my husband and I, we have a budget. We we use a tracking system to, so we track every single expense we have since we got married. We've been married um, 10 and a half years now. Um, and so we, we track every single uh, dollar that comes in and every single dollar that goes out. But I was thinking about, I, I think that part of the reason that we have gotten into so much debt is, I mean, yes, there's a lot of reasons, but I think part of that reason is we aren't tracking what we're spending anymore because we don't have checkbooks and people don't carry cash as much. And so it becomes easier to mindlessly swipe, mindlessly tap. I don't know. I would love for somebody to do a study on that because I really think that that could be a huge contributor to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, studies have been done and that's why this technology has been created because the less friction and the fewer barriers you create to paying the more people pay on average. Mm. When credit cards became the norm, um, average transaction rates increased uh, versus cash mm. transactions. And so, yeah, the studies are there and that's why- Fascinating. They're breaking down more and more barriers um, because, I mean, it, it behooves the companies to break down these barriers if it increases your average transaction amount. It's much easier for them to get one person to pay more than to get more people to pay them the same. And so we see this this technology is a blessing and a curse because right. it's made saving money, comparing prices, negotiating, investing affordably. It, it has made those, uh, is also lowered the barrier to those things. Uh, but we have to fight against 
consumer America, which is um, making it easier and easier to spend money and easier and easier to spend more money. And so that's, we don't think it's bad to spend money. We love spending money. We just want you to be aware of why this this technology was not made for you. This technology was made for companies um, that are publicly traded in the stock market. Like this is made for them. And you need to be aware of of what's going on so that you can make informed decisions about what you spend on. Make sure it's what you want, not what's easiest and not what you're being told you should want. Right, right. You know, and I'm sure it just goes right along with it where... It just, when you remove those barriers, then you're also having people spend more than they actually can. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like, don't even want to get into all of the, uh, now the, the buy now pay later things and the like pay this over a certain amount of time and the, which increases average transactions even more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's helping people to understand, look, if you are on some random website shopping and you can't pay for the entire transaction in full at that time, and and you're considering, oh, well, I could just break it down into four easy payments over the next couple of months. No, you don't need to be buying that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not getting you on interest payments like a credit card would. They are um, working for, they are a service that is paid by the store so that you increase your average cart value to use the buy now pay later. So yeah. it behooves the store to opt to pay for that service, to offer that service because you spend more money with them. Right. Right. Rather yeah. Rather than just spending the money that you actually have at the time rather than, you know, mm-hmm. it becomes there's a, a reason it hurts to make big purchases. Yeah. And see big chunks of money leave. It should hurt. It should. Um if you really want it and it's something you've saved and planned for, it doesn't hurt as much. Right. It still hurts a little. It does. But it doesn't hurt as much. Um, but if it's an impulse buy, it'll hurt. And and you should listen to that. That's another thing we have um, gotten out of the f- habit of of listening to our our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our intuition, and paying attention to that. So that is something you should you should lean into. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you're tackling debt for somebody that maybe is recovering from maybe a negative or a harmful money mindset. What are some of the things that you would say to somebody who's kind of maybe they're on their debt free journey, maybe they're just getting out, maybe they're done paying off their debt. Mm -hmm. And now but now they're they're sort of in a, a space where they're trying to recover a little bit. That was me um, because I didn't I walked through my debt journey alone. I didn't tell anyone what I was going through. And so for me, it was a, I felt I was being punished and I was punishing myself because I had made poor financial choices. And so I was saying to myself, you made this mistake. You made, you did this wrong. You have to suffer the consequences of this, which yes, that is true. But then I also at the same time was very harmful to myself and how I, and Mm -hmm. I would you know, if I spent anything outside of what was absolutely necessary, which I didn't really have the money to do, but if there was anything I spent money on that was outside of what was absolutely necessary, like if I treated myself in any way to like 
ice cream or, mm-hmm. you know, a dinner out because I never ate out while I was paying off debt, things like that. I would absolutely beat myself up. Um, and I look back now on how that was not helpful <laughs> whatsoever. No. So I, it took me a while to kind of recover from that. Um, so how do you then approach or what, what do you say to somebody who has a negative money mindset for one reason or another? Yeah, I went through the same thing and I called it the post-debt hangover, um, where it took me a long time to recover from shame-filled spending. Yes. And so now we we call it guilt-free values-based spending. Uh, so I I always say now that you are not what you have done with money. Mm. Your identity is not in and who you will become does not lie in the choices that you have made with money. Those are choices and actions. They are not identities. Right. And so you can always choose a different path. Right. You can always act in a different way. It doesn't matter what you are doing now. You can always throw them a plot twist and change the narrative. Mm. That is at any time. It is your life and you own that right. And so just because you took out a bunch of student loans at 18, you racked up a bunch of credit card debt. We usually do this stuff when we're teenagers. Always. And and we judge ourselves for the decisions we've made as teenagers. Just because you made those choices, you can choose to make different choices and adopt I mean, a new identity should you choose, but you can keep the same identity. You can be whoever you want and have debt. Like debt is neutral. There is no good or bad debt. There's just debt. It's just is. Um, There's, you know, sometimes you can invest debt in appreciating assets. And sometimes you take out debt in depreciating assets. It's all debt. And that doesn't make you a good or bad person. You can choose differently at any time, any day. And And maybe that'll make you feel better about yourself, but your identity was never in there. Right. So you are a good person here. Now you are whatever person you want to be in the here and now. And if making a different choice, taking a different path, whatever makes you feel better about yourself, you can choose that path. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. And I think too, you know, uh, I would just, I would also add too that there's a healthy way to view the consequences of choices we've made. Does that make sense? Is mm-hmm. it, It's kind of like I think about this in motherhood a lot. And this is where I struggled with myself because I, I definitely came at myself with a shame mindset, which is not healthy. But looking back, I am glad that I went through what I went through so that on the other side, like I can make different choices down the road. But I made some really bad financial choices and I paid every cent back. And it was hard. It sucked. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kind of talk, I kind of teach this to my kids, or I try to teach this to my kids. I don't know that I always do it super well. But when they make a choice uh, that they shouldn't, or they do something that they know is against the rules, or they get in trouble, you know, whatever it is. I mean, literally insert any thing a child does when they get in trouble. <laughs> I can approach it and I can say, oh, you like you did that thing wrong, but there's going to be no consequence. 
what are they probably going to do? They're probably going to do the exact same thing again. Like if there's no consequence to their action, they don't have a whole lot of motivation to make a different choice next time. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I, if I then approach them and say, I love you, you know, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Whatever you want to say, you know, however, (laughs) depending on the thing, but you know, I, 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 this doesn't change my feelings for you. I love you. I'm here for you. Uh, I will support you. However, the choice that you made also has a consequence. And Mm -hmm. so that consequence, you know, has to be walked out, walked through, if you know what I mean. Right. And so, uh, but how to how to approach that that discipline in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, people get into debt or they make bad financial choices and they want like a quick fix uh, microwave, uh, cho- you know, way out of it <laughs> when mm-hmm. sometimes <laughs> that's not the case. And so you got to you okay. got to <laughs> yeah. pay the consequence for the actions that you made. And and but it's it's reframing it where it's like. It's not condemnation. It's not shame. It's just saying, mm-hmm. man, I screwed up. Ugh, this sucks. I'm now paying for it, literally. But that's the, you know, I made the choice. Now I have the consequence. Mm-hmm. And But man, that's, that is hard because we don't like, we don't like yeah. it. It's not yeah. easy. Yeah. Even if you were manipulated into the choice or you didn't have the information to make the right choice. That was me. Like the, right. 100%. You... Yeah. So there's so many like variables, but still your identity is the same. Like your children's identity is still your children. Right. 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 They, they are just working through their choices. Right. Um, and hopefully through it being like, okay, what am I going to learn from this? Right. And even more importantly, what am I going to teach people mm-hmm. from this experience? Because it's great for us to, you know, realize self-actualization and, you know, attain our best selves. But if we don't pass that along to others in our community, in our lives, um, our children, other people's children, like if we're not sharing our story and our lessons, then it really is vanity. Right. So yeah, learning and, and figuring out what you can teach others because of what you've learned. Yeah. And that's, that's been my approach, but that was, you know, even for me, that was something that I've had to work through over 10 years. Um, I mean, when I first got out of debt, it was March of 2012. I didn't share that I was debt free until August. Like I waited five months because I still was, I still felt a lot of shame and there are still even more details to the entire entirety of my story that I did not share publicly until this year. So it Mm -hmm. took 10, 12 years plus to be able to share the full story because I had to work through that. But I came to a realization where it was like, well, I made those choices. I made mistakes, uh, you know, but, you know, the mindset I have is God put me in that situation to be able to then take that and then use it to, to help others is to look at our circumstances, not as just this thing that happened to us, but okay, what can, again, what can we learn from it? Because I can guarantee you, I ain't going to make those mistakes twice. Like <laughs> I made those mistakes one time. Yeah. And, and you're not going to let the people you love make them. Correct. Correct. And that yeah. is something that I'm trying really hard with my kids. And it's hard because my kids are nine and six. And, uh, like we, my husband and I joke, my, our six-year-old just like 
I think doesn't understand that money, like what money is and what it does. Like he will just, he will get money and then he will either not spend it at all, like keep it in his piggy bank forever. Or he'll just like give $10 to some like random friend. He's like, here, you can have this, but he doesn't like realize what he's doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Or he'll like go try and spend it somewhere and immediately have buyer's remorse, like within 30 seconds of buying the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then my daughter just like gets money and immediately spends it, gets money and immediately spends it. And so it's like continuing to help her understand, no, we need to, this is not the best way. I know you want that Squishmallow. I know Mm -hmm. you do that you want that Squishmallow. Is that what you actually need to be spending that money on right now. Um, anyway, yeah. do a whole letting them make mistakes yeah. with money is, is the best people are like, how do you teach kids about money? Let them make, let them make mistakes. Yeah. Let them. Yeah. In an environment where it's not going to harm them long-term. Right. Right. And that's in your house. Yes. <laughs> it's going to harm them in the real world. Yes. Yes. Cause like, yeah. for example, my son, uh, we told this story on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but it's it bears repeating because it's hilarious. Again, he's six and we were at the farmer's market and he had earned $5 and he was like, I want to spend my $5. And so we were just like, oh, are you sure? And he's like, he was insistent that he really wanted to spend his $5. So he walked up to the very first booth that he saw. He immediately asks the woman, what do you have for $5? She hands him this, it was like a ceramic or it was like a rock painted like a football (laughs) so it was like a hand painted rock and he she said these are five dollars and he hands her the five dollars he walks away with this painted rock and immediately starts crying and is like i don't want it i spent my five dollars and that's all i got i mean it was instantaneous he got the five dollars he spent the five dollars on something he didn't actually want and he had buyer's remorse all in the span of 90 seconds it was Mm -hmm. amazing it was simply stunning to watch uh but yeah that's a great example and we didn't let him return it we said no this is like you now are the proud owner of a five dollar painted football rock um and that is the consequence for not listening to us and telling like when we were trying to tell you that Let's wait a second. Let's look around. Let's see what the other booths have. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just, it really makes me laugh. Because it, just, it was like, spend the money, regret the money all in 90 seconds. I know. And we do that as adults. But we it's do. just usually at Home Goods or TJ Maxx or Target. It's amazing. It is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. Okay. Um, there's clearly like a lot of things that we could talk about and unpack but we don't have time. Uh, so, uh, but before, cause obviously you have a whole podcast, tell us about your podcast, tell people where, if they're really wanting more information like this, if they're wanting more of your wisdom and goodness, where can they find you? How can they support you? All those things. Yeah. So Frugal Friends podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. We uh, release a new episode every Tuesday and Friday, and it's all about being a good steward of your resources, money, time, physical space, natural resources, all of that. Uh, And we just try to help you make those values-based spending decisions so that you don't end up with painted football rocks. Yes. I love it. You don't want painted painted football rocks. I mean, unless Mm -mm. you do. Unless you love that. Yeah. Unless Unless you love rocks. Unless you really, that's really your thing. Unless it's really your thing. Oh gosh, it was so funny. Okay. Um, All right. So now is the portion of the show where uh, we ask some fun get to know you questions. So Jen, are you ready for the get to know you round? 
Ready. All right. Question number one, I thought this would be a fun one for you is as somebody who is pretty frugal, what is the thing that you are like, is your splurge? You're just like treat yourself. Oh yeah. So I actually do CrossFit. That's my workout. Yeah. And if anybody's done CrossFit before, you know, it is not cheap. It's not cheap. Um, but that is what I do to work out. That's been the thing I've been most consistent with. And I go to the gym four days a week and I use it. And yeah. uh, I gladly spend the money. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That's great. Okay. Um, what is something that I would never guess about you? Um, wow. I I'm talk about myself a lot, which doesn't sound great. But so I don't feel like there's any secrets. I don't like celery. <laughs> My daughter don't doesn't like, like it. celery either. Don't, don't like it. Hate it. So you're not um, a celery juicer? Absolutely not. No, no. Celery's the worst. <laughs> you're like hard pass. I like celery. I like celery. My husband doesn't like celery and my daughter doesn't like celery. Um, but yeah. I, I like celery. Now I don't, I'm not going to sit there and like eat a thing, a celery plain. Like I'm going to put, I'm going to dip it in ranch or I'm going to eat it with some like Buffalo wings. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not a thing I'm going to sit there and really like eat on its own. If that makes sense. I'm going to pass on it every time. Hey, that's all right. No judgment here. Okay. Uh, I love it. Okay. What was your favorite TV show to watch when you were growing up? Um, Oh, I watched all the Disney original movies. I never missed a Disney original movie. And I don't, I don't think I was as into TV shows. Maybe Boy Meets World. Oh, big fan um, of Boy Meets World. Or All That. All Love. That? Yes. This Love, is some, all Love Some Sketch that. Comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All That. Keenan Thompson. Yeah, those are probably... Oh, yeah. Always. His, king. his best He's work was on All That. I know, right? As Pierre... The 16 seasons of SNL. Pierre Escargo. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Keenan's best... If you, okay, if y'all are listening, you have to be like oh, over 35, I think, to know Pierre Escargot when he would. So it was this character that Keenan did. I mean, Keenan was like 16 or something. He was oh my young. Gosh. And in the bathtub. He would be sitting in the bathtub with and <laughs> with the French French. Yeah, with him, he would say these like, he'd be like, Bonjour, mon, 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 mon. And then he would translate it and it would always be something like really random in English. It'd be like, your feet smell bad with my eagles. <laughs> and then, yeah, every single time it was my favorite. Oh my God. I forgot about how funny that was. Yes. It's so funny. It's so funny. So go yeah. y'all right now, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to YouTube and just search Keenan Thompson, Pierre Escargot, and you mm-hmm. will be blessed. Um, okay. <laughs> You will be blessed. You will that be, is such an accurate. You yeah. will be blessed. Okay. Uh, and then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, uh, Jen, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? My guiding questions are how can I help this person better? And how can I help more people better? Mm. So always looking at, if I'm just looking at one person, are they getting thing, anything out of this episode? What are they getting out of this episode? How is their life going to be better? And then how we can reach more people with this really powerful, life-changing message of frugal living. Mm. And so that's what it means to me. And I think that is when people asked like, what's, what's your secret for growing? I was like, it's not us. It's not our business strategy. It's how helpful I think we are. Yeah. Mm, So good. Jen, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you for having me. This is fun. 
Man, this was such a good conversation. I could have kept talking to Jen for like a whole nother hour, probably. Uh, I would love to know what you loved about this episode, or maybe there was something that you learned. Will you let me know on social media? You can find me at Still Being Molly, you know, or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you get your social medias. And would you take a moment? Would you head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, wherever you listen to this podcast? And would you click that subscribe or follow? button. And would you leave a review of the show? Leaving a review helps me to know what you are liking and how this show is impacting you. Thank you for sharing the show with a friend. Thank you for the support week in and week out. Thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. And now as always, go do something good with purpose on purpose.